You're listening to Not Your Average CEO Lifeline with your hosts, Danielle Cuomo, CEO, and Nicole Galicchio, LCOO. We are here to provide you with a vital lifeline to executive advice that you've never heard before. We have the resources and the tactics to help you reach the next level. Whether you are just starting out or you've been in business for decades, listen in for exclusive tips and content to meet your needs. Welcome to another episode of Not Your Average CEO Lifeline. Today, we are talking all things brand recognition. We will have special guest Kate DeLeo with us. Um, First, we're going to talk a little bit, or I'm going to talk a little bit about what is brand recognition to prep a little bit for Kate's expertise. So brand recognition, it refers to the degree at which your audience can identify or recall, right? The distinctive visual, auditorial concepts or elements about your brand. What are you portraying to your customers, your audience? Is it recognizable in your emails, your social media? Is it consistent? Brand recognition is something that you are going to strive for. You want to make sure your customers know exactly who you are. As soon as they see your logo, as soon as they see your colors, they recognize you. Now, you may be thinking to yourself, how do I achieve this? Is it pasting my logo everywhere? Is it similar colors everywhere? What is really going to be recognizable to my audience? Well, I think the first thing is probably consistency is key, right? You need to maintain a consistent brand image across all of your platforms, all of your communication. Do you have something that is unique throughout that consistency? Is it a specific type of font pairing? Is it a specific image or a logo or taglines? Is your messaging clear? Is your mission and vision statement recognizable in that image, in the font pairing, does it speak to your audience? It may be really hard to look at what you have now and assess, is it consistent through all my platforms? You may look at your social media and you may look at your website and you may think, "Um, I'm using different fonts on my social media than on my website. Does this really matter? Yes, it does matter. It is not detrimental to make a change, but if you're thinking right now, I need to make a change, I think it's important to only have one change. Make sure that you are sure this is the brand that you want to go with. Make sure that it is consistent. Write it down. Have a media kit in which you are, uh, or a branding kit in which It extrudes what you are looking for as far as messaging throughout your brand. Now, I know that Kate and Danielle are going to talk to you a little bit about brand tactic advice and brand conversations that convert. So I want to give you just a little bit more background on how to think about your brand, where where to start, right? So leverage your social media, utilize this power in order to amplify your brand visibility, engage with your audience and engage with your audience in a way that you know who the demographic is, what really is going to speak with them. Leverage this online power and this ability to enhance your recognition in this way. Talk to your customers, 
right? Look at what truly speaks to them, what delivers, and build a positive brand perception around it. You can also look at partnerships and collaborations or do the opposite and look at your competitors. What's going to make your brand stick out and recognizable over the other competitors? It's really important to look at your competitors' websites. It is no longer your competitor is next door. Your competitor is online at your customer's fingertips. So if your brand isn't speaking to them, they can easily swipe to the next and obtain a different level of satisfaction that is attractive to them. Again, uh, make sure that your brand is consistent, right? You don't want to have mixed messaging. You don't want to have mixed colors or mixed images. You, you want to make sure that you're reinforcing the same voice, the same marketing strategies, and truly le leveraging, you know, understanding your customer experience, your customer wants, your customer pain points. So brand recognition is broad in the sense that there are a lot of factors to take into play, but it really funnels down to if we Google your website, are we going to understand your mission, your vision, who you are, and really hone in on on your brand as, as a company across all platforms? So let's take a listen to Kate DeLeo and what her expert advice here is on brand recognition. As an executive, we know that it can be difficult to manage your work-life balance, find time to tackle all the items on that to-do list, or determine next steps to bring your business to the next level. Virtual Assist USA is your solution. Whether you need someone to help you with those daily tasks, or you would like to speak to someone about strategies for the next steps for your business, we are here to help. Find us today at www.virtualassistusa.com to find out what else we can do for you. Kate, thank you so much for joining us today. We're really excited to have you. And um, I'd love to start with you by telling us a little bit about yourself and, and your background. Absolutely. And thanks for having me on the show today. Um, you know, it's interesting. I, I came into the world of branding, which is now uh, what I do for a living, but kind of accidentally. Uh, you know, I think probably like many of us, I, I didn't necessarily go to college assuming that I was going to do branding for a living. Uh, yes. I had a bit of a zigzag path, right? But, you know, it's really interesting. I, I really fell in love with branding and kind of fell into that role of messaging and writing as a byproduct of, of taking on a sales job right around 2010 when the market had really had a downturn. And it was during that time that I took a sales job to really just be able to get on my feet right out of college and pay the bills. And in that role, taking a, a green sales job, I recognized the importance of having a brand pitch that enabled me to really break down barriers and, and open up the doors with my prospects on the phone. And so that's really where it began for me. That's great. So it wasn't something that you had set out to do initially. It just sort of happened upon it that way. Exactly. Yeah, it, it definitely was never anything I had on my radar. But, you know, fast forward how many years and it, it is funny to see the the way that it has all turned out uh, being in this career. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of us um, entrepreneurs sort of, you know, end up having that path. It's not necessarily a straight line. 
Um, and it's not necessarily where we thought we would have been when, when we started out, but I think it it all happens for a reason and it makes the most interesting and, and dynamic of careers. Absolutely. Yeah. So <clears throat> we're talking about um, brand conversations and um, in our audience, I think something that they would really be interested in hearing is how they can create brand conversations that convert. That's something that um, that is really important to, to everyone. And we'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Absolutely. Let's let's kind of break it down. So, you know, the method that I have always taught is around this idea of creating brand conversations that convert because I really have this philosophy and it's, it's kind of my dying belief that your brand is your path of least resistance to revenue. And I say that because I think your ability when you can first in that first 15 to 30 seconds, whether somebody hits the homepage of your website or you're meeting them at an event, when you can tell them, this is what I do, this is how I solve your problem, and this is how I'm different from the competition. You know, I think that that is the stuff. Those three key points are really what your customers and prospects want to know to be compelled to take that next step in purchase. So when I talk about brand conversations that convert, in the world of branding and messaging, what that means is having three key messaging components in a particular order that actually address those three points I mentioned. Number one, a tagline that says, this is what we do. Followed by number two, a value proposition statement. This is how we solve your deepest heart pain. And then number three, a set of differentiator statements, kind of those one, two, three, maybe four big bullet points of how you're different and better than the rest. That is the stuff based on buyer psychology, Danielle and Nicole, that when you deliver it in that order, it's fascinating. Every single time it brings that prospect to the point of conversion where they say, Okay, now that's interesting. Tell me more. Let's dig into the details. Yeah, I love that. And I love how you break it down, um, you know, into those um, those three sections, because I think it's something that, you know, everyone, um, you know, cares about having grand conversations and how to do it. But I like how you um, how you break it down into steps and saying, you know, this is the formula. I think that makes a lot of sense. Awesome. Yeah, it's really got to be a formula. It's got to be pragmatic, something that's practical that we can, as business owners and leaders, really remember. And it don't overcomplicate it, right? How do I get to the, the nitty gritty of what somebody wants to know? Yes, yes, absolutely. Uh, and I know another thing from, from your work is that you talk about building um, a revenue generating Rolex. So can you share with our listeners yes. what that means to you? Absolutely. Okay. So I don't know if anybody listening here remembers those big old things that sat on the end of your desk called a Rolodex. I know some I of do. Us that, <laughs> it's funny because I actually was teaching a group of uh, Gen Zs and they said, we don't, we've never seen a Rolodex. I'm like, let me bring one out here and let's show you what this is. Um, but really when I talk about building a revenue generating Rolodex, what we're really getting at here is target audience refinement. You know, I think that as CEOs and as business owners, we live and die by who we know and the networks and the relationships that we keep. And yet what's so funny is very often when it comes to branding, we often think that we have to speak to anybody and everybody. And actually that's quite false. A brand's job is not to try to convince everybody in the world to buy from you. A brand's job is to convince the right ones to buy from you and convert those into happy customers. And so for building a, a revenue generating Rolodex, what that really means is our ability to niche in and actually go after the few, the one or two or three audiences with the highest probability of purchasing from us. And if we do that, 
what we're able to do is then deliver that refined message, that brand conversation to those individuals and have a higher probability of getting a, a connection and a conversion. Well, that, that's wonderful. And I, just to, to touch on something that, that you mentioned there, um, you know, that we don't have to sort of be everything to everyone or our messaging doesn't yeah. have to, to appeal to everyone. I think that's a mistake that I've seen over the years, a lot of people make, I know I've, I've made that mistake myself. Um, but I think that that's a really important um, distinction and something to, to keep in mind. And, um, and obviously you've seen that in your work too. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's really clear, you know, most of us, uh, and this comes from such a good place in our hearts, to be honest, where we go, yeah, but Kate, if I don't tell everybody everything about how great I am, and I don't tell everybody about the stuff, then I'm going to miss the opportunity. I'm leaving money on the table and nobody's going to buy. But the right. thing is, is that not everybody's going to buy from us. And how much are we willing to put a stake in the ground and accept that? Because as business leaders, we're not in the business of convincing. We are in the business of converting, period. Oh, I love that. Not in the business of convincing, but in the business of converting. That's right. I think that's something to something to remember and definitely to to keep in mind. Um, along those lines, you know, we're talking a little bit about these, you know, little nibbles and and advice. Um, what brand tactic advice do you have uh, for our audience? Yeah. So. Okay, so if I were to think about, okay, listen, you walk away today and you're like, Kate, what can I do to refine my brand in such a way that it's really going to hit the nail on the head and I'm going to see a direct impact on revenue? The biggest advice that I can give you is to try to go look at those three key pieces of your message. I, I actually call it the brand trifecta, kind of like your, your one, two, three punch of your message. I want you to go and look at it and say, okay, number one, do I have a tagline that directly answers the question, what do you do? Mm -hmm. The second piece is, do I have a value proposition statement that directly calls out, here's the problem you're facing and here's how we solve that problem. And then number three, do I have differentiator statements front and center? One, two, three, four reasons why I'm better than the competition. And here's the thing is, if you have those, are they implemented on your website, front and center on your homepage? And is that what you lead with in your pitch when you walk into the room, in your sales decks, whatever it might be? because that is the lead in brand language, your brand pitch that's going to get somebody compelled to want to go into those rich details and use cases of how you can specifically help them. Yes, and so that's that's perfect. I know you mentioned um, you know, that that has to be the, the content on your website and that's what you're leading with. What other places do you see um, that messaging being important other than the website content? Is that something that you should be keeping in mind for all different types of content? Should it be in your mind just verbal conversations that you're having with people? You know, it is actually across the board. It's so interesting. We try to talk about, preach this idea of consistency. So even if let's say you have very different audiences that maybe buy very different things, at a top level for your organization, you need that brand trifecta, that brand pitch message we're talking about here front and center on the homepage of your website. And in that first few slides of your sales decks, your proposals should be as a part of your company bio. It should be on your LinkedIn and your social channels and those bios. It's really anywhere and everywhere that you have information, one page sales sheets, you name it, it's in there. And you know what's great is it sets the stage that if you have more audience specific content, let's say you have 
uh, an industrial sector that buys product A and a marketing sector that buys product B from you. Okay, great. It sets the stage to go into the next layer of detail with more specific messaging for those audiences. But I always want us to remember that at the top of, at the top of the content hierarchy, have that brand pitch consistent everywhere across the board. Really important. Yeah, I think I know that you know, for, for me and my business um, specifically, I can see that, um, you know, I, I tend to think of brand messaging as, okay, this is what's on our website. This is what our, our website content is. But um, I love how you're saying that it's really all of your messaging across the board and that consistency is super important. Yeah, it really is. Because at the end of the day, our brand is the promise that we put into the world. It's the promise of who we are and what we can deliver to others and how we add value and help people around us. And so if we have one message over here and a separate message over there, it creates confusion for us and for yes. our, our audiences. And that's the last thing that we want. Yes. And I know I've you know heard and read before that a confused mind does not buy. Mm -hmm. And I think that's very true. Spot on. Absolutely. Yes. So just to, to change the focus a little bit, um, when we're talking about doing a pitch, if you could tell our audience one or two things that they could start doing um, in order to change up their pitch to close more deals, um, what would that be? What would they need to, to change or adjust that they're doing now? You know, the best thing that you could do to start with your pitch today is to think about that response. If somebody asks you, what do you do? Do you mm -hmm. go into this complex story right away? And all of a sudden, have you ever done that? And, and halfway through, you're like, oh boy, the eyes are glazing over for the other person. I think I lost them. Yes. Or, you know, you, you you reinvent your pitch every time, Danielle. Every time you're talking, it's something different. I, I We've all done this. Oh, but yes. I, want us, I want us to step back and think, okay, if somebody asked me what I do, how would I respond to that in only five or six words? Seriously, five to yeah. six words, what would you say? And it's interesting because if somebody asked me that, I could sit there and say, well, I do branding. Mm -hmm. But is that very provocative and compelling? No, not right. really. I mean, not really, right? But if I said to you, Danielle, you asked me, hey, Kate, what do you do? And I say, oh my gosh, I help organizations build brands that win work. Yes, and immediately- now That's different. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think then if, you know, if someone's saying that to me, I'm thinking- oh, you know, could this person um, help my organization build? Or do I know, you know, of other organizations that that would need this help right now? And I'm intrigued and I want to hear more and I want to learn more about what you're saying instead of just yeah. saying branding and it's kind of flat and okay, you know, moving right along. Well, and I got to tell you, I live in Minneapolis, Minnesota, land of the Midwest, land of the passive aggressive. God bless them. I love it here. But let me tell you, Danielle, okay, we are taught culturally. Don't toot your own horn. Don't be, don't brag. Don't be cocky. And listen, I totally agree. And some people hear my tagline and they go, gosh, how, how pretentious is that? But hang on a second. Is it really pretentious to say that I help companies build brands that win work? If I can prove it and back it up, I think there's a line we have to walk here and be okay with being confident and provocative without being cocky and pretentious. And so I do want to state that because our fear, of course, is we don't want to come across as a braggart. And I 100% agree. But if there's anywhere in our message where we should be able to come out with full confidence and excitement and passion, it's with that tagline. It's with that response to, well, what do you do? 
Because if you're confident and you're provocative and you're authentic in that, that's the situation that even in a conversation, that other person listening is really going to be curious and provoked to go, wow, interesting. Tell me more. You know, that's the secret sauce. That's what we're looking for to create a brand conversation. Oh, yes. Yeah, I love that. And, and thank you for sharing that that secret sauce with us, too. That's that's terrific. And I think our audience is, is really going to, to appreciate that. Um, so as you know, the, the title of our podcast is Not Your Average CEO. And we invite um, folks on the podcast that we feel like are um, not the average CEO that you see, someone that is stepping outside the box, doing things a little bit differently, and that we feel that our, our audience can, can really benefit from. Um, and that's, of course, why we chose you. But I'd love to hear, you know, how you feel that you became um, not an average CEO. It's a great question. You know, um, I think for me, part of my journey as an entrepreneur, as a CEO, was recognizing that I'm not everybody, I'm not going to be everybody's cup of tea, whether that's with my personality or my approach to branding or my services or whatever it might be, right? Mm -hmm. I'm uniquely me. And I remember one day I was sitting back and I was really frustrated. This was many years ago and I had a number of deals that just weren't closing and I was just so darn frustrated. And as I was looking at the list in my pipeline, I realized half the people in that pipeline that I'd given proposals to, this is so terrible, but I think we've all been here. I didn't even want to work with half of them because I'm like, oh God, this is going to be a hellacious project. They're not exactly going to be yes. great customers. Okay. But I needed the money. And I was like, I got to go for it. You know, this is early on. And I remember his clearest day I was sitting there and I just heard in my heart and in my mind, Kate, are you willing to say no to the good in order to say yes to the great? And it was, it was a really, really big moment for me because I recognized that I was going after everything from, a, I was leading from a place of desperation and not from a place of invitation. And in order for me to go to that next level as a leader, I had to be willing to say no more often than I said yes. I had to step into a level of trust and faith in myself and, and, and what was coming for me that maybe didn't look from the outside world like it was going to happen. It was the mm -hmm. best thing that I ever did. It paid forward this path to where I am now. So just to sort of paraphrase um, what you said and what my understanding is, is that you're talking about sort of saying, saying no to the good to bring on the great. That's right. Bigger things. Yeah, I love that. And that, that infiltrated into prospects who I went after, who I said yes to, uh, you know, partners and employees and, and, and you know, um, vendors and providers I worked with. Where did I spend my time networking? which rooms were I in? Who did I spend time listening to? Where did I get my advice from? I started to realize that not all advice was good advice or right for me. It could be good for somebody else, but it wasn't right for me. And it was being willing to recognize that I didn't need to do what everybody else was doing. I just needed to do what was true for where I was going. And that was going to make the difference between not getting bogged down for months and years at a time and actually accelerating into my purpose. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Yeah, that's, that's wonderful. Um, and so I think that was, you know, great, great advice that you gave and something that, that I'm going to keep in mind. Um, but as a, as a business owner yourself, what is the best advice that you feel that you ever received? I think the best advice that I've ever received is truly 
to be 100% audaciously me. You know, mm. I'll be honest, um, growing up and for most of my life, I've been told you're too big, you're too bold, you're too out there, you're too talkative, you're too provocative, you're too much of a disruptor. And I remember, you know, at the time, actually, it was interesting, right as my business was starting to take off, I had been going through a divorce. And I was in this interesting place in my life where I, I realized, you know what, you're right. I am too much for most people. But for the ones whom I'm supposed to know, I'm just right. And maybe that's what I need to lean into more than needing everybody else's approval. I think for me, it was all about fully embracing and being audaciously willing to own how big I am. And that was the beginning of, of catapulting in all areas of my life. I love that. That, yeah, that is great advice. And then I'm going to just, you know, as we close out here, um, where are our audience can find you, where they can learn more about you and the work that you do, where they can follow you. And we'll absolutely. include all this in the show notes as well. Oh, absolutely. Well, you know, I love it when people, if they're listening to the show, um, go ahead and find me on LinkedIn. That's the first place you can find me, Kate DeLeo. And, you know, certainly if you're interested in kind of this method of brand messaging and you're curious about that, feel free to check out my website. I've got a lot of resources out there. You can link over to my book. It's like a hundred page practical walkthrough guide of pure tactics on this. So if you're kind of in a position where you're looking to write your brand, that's just a practical know-how book, no fluff in there. And you can go to www.katedelio.com. Wonderful. And Kate, thank you so much again for, for being with us today. And um, we look forward to hearing more from you in the future. Thanks so much for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. Thank you. You've been listening to Not Your Average CEO Lifeline with your hosts, Danielle Cuomo, CEO, and Nicole Glitchio, Ells, COO. This podcast has been sponsored by Virtual Assist USA. If you'd like to know more about the hosts or exploring virtual assistant services, visit virtualassistusa.com for more information.